Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're wrapping up our discussion of the evil within. I'm your host Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we got Greg. What up? Next, we have Dante. Am I here or am I not? What does it mean to be alive? All of these questions will be answered today on this episode of Miss Checkpoints. <laughs> Last but not least, we got the homie Trevor. <laughs> What's going on? Alright, so um, I think last time we left off at Chapter 8, so just a quick refresher. Um, there's been no story so far. Uh, <laughs> um, you spent that entire chapter in a cave, and you ended up um, fighting this large monster, and I think Ruvik sends you down a... Was this the one where he sends you down that, that big shaft? crashing down like one of the many times you're falling in this game yeah i think so yeah so um starting up be, chap- that could be any chapter <laughs> you're right where you basically <laughs> fall at the end and then you get up and the beginning you're in some kind of liquid <laughs> you're not you're a, not wrong <laughs> a reoccurring theme of the game <laughs> um so chapter nine this is uh chapter nine the cruelest intentions uh, intentions this takes place uh, primarily in the mansion. Uh, the mansion being uh, Ruvik's family. Let me see. Uh, the Victor Victoriano's, uh, their mansion. Uh, he comes for money. And this is very, very, uh, gives off uh, heavy Resident Evil vibes. Um, this whole uh, chapter, you're, you're um, getting exposition on Ruvik. So you're learning about his background um, his family, uh, his relationship with Dr. Jimenez, who uh, conveniently uh, led you to this mansion. He has uh, Leslie with him, and he's there. He's trying to keep Leslie away from you. So he's hiding him out in this mansion. And um, throughout this entire uh, chapter, it's like a cat and mouse with Ruvik. So there's this weird effect of like when he pops up, there's this blue flash that happens, and you have to hide because as soon as he sees you you're dead or as soon as he gets you you're dead so like you're progressing through this mansion like learning story beats and uh trying to get closer to him and as but also at some points you're just like you have to hide from Ruvik, and it culminates with uh you kind of finding out like some uh backstory uh, i guess Ruvik is very um he was the reason why his sister died in the fire she died in a, a barn fire and uh, you end up having a boss fight in that barn uh, while it's on fire. Um, and it's a really, Not, really weird sequence. What's up, Greg? Oh, I, I was before we get too far off, I did want to ask about the uh, the puzzle um, 
involving like having to stick that needle in the specific parts of the brain. That does happen in chapter nine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Does, Talk about it. Well, the one thing I was going to ask, I mean, I didn't, again, I'm not really here for the story, but does, does any of that section have any specific story beats or anything like as far as backstory? Because I, mean, I thought the puzzles were cool, but I wasn't really following the, the audio um, during that. <laughs> That's where, where all the story was being. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it, it, it's kind of cool because, like I said, like this mansion, it's it's massive and it's very spooky. And you find out that Rubik, you find out a lot about Rubik's past. And um, so he is a, he seems like a troubled child. Um, he's very smart. So he has this like workspace or like a lab when he's like very research oriented. So he, he had different spots within this uh this mansion where he had like a human brain and it was like a puzzle where you had to prod the brain at a very specific point and once you prodded it or you know stuck the needle in that point a whole hologram like you could see this whole hologram interaction between an actual encounter between Jimenez and Rubik so like you can kind of see Rubik kind of spiral from being, or he, he descends from being like this rising prodigy who like wants to work underneath Jimenez's wing to being like a madman. Like Jimenez is like, Hey, I appreciate, you know, like your, your family is giving a lot of money or, okay. okay. I guess this, this is going to, this is some story stuff. So this is what you missed out on Greg. I was going to try okay. to talk around it, but it's kind of hard to, so basically, Ruvik is a very troubled child. There's a lot of potential in him. Uh, Jimenez sees a lot of potential in him. And so they strike up a deal where Jimenez is working at the Beacon Mental Hospital. And he says, hey, as long as your family is going to give us money and continue to fund us, we will fund you patients or people to run experiments on. So uh-huh. Ruvik, Ruvik is running all these experiments on actual mental patients and the beacon mental hospital turns the other cheek because his family is putting a lot of money towards research and all that stuff at the hospital well you come to find out later on that not only was Ruvik troubled in the sense that he felt really guilty about his sister's death he ends up killing both his parents yeah i was about and, to say that that happens you see the i guess the flashback of that uh, yeah in the chapter. yeah and even you see an encounter where Jimenez is like, hey, man, I haven't seen your parents in a while. And he's like, oh, they're away on whatever. Never mind them. Like, they're still paying you, aren't they? And it kind of basically foreshadows or whatever that spoils that he's dealt with them. And, like, this is the, the terms of a relationship. And I guess at a certain point, Jimenez doesn't mind. Like, as long as money is still coming in, then he will gladly fund bodies or give bodies or uh patients to rubik for his cause um it's got to be a good amount of money for him to just be like yeah i'm cool with that right right (laughs) so that that is kind of what you find out in this chapter and it's it's really creepy because there are a lot of um it's like a lot of ethical stuff right (laughs) yeah this is like a a lot of a lot of shady under uh undergoings going on between these two individuals um, 
Dante, you you had, are you are you here? Oh, well, let me ask you, Greg. So, uh, I guess full disclosure on this: uh, Trevor was not able to <laughs> complete this game. Do you, do you wanna do you wanna say what happened, Trevor? Or you don't have to go in like the full details or whatever. But what happened on your end? As far as not being able to complete the game, yeah, just life stuff. It'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. So did you you weren't able to pick up from the last point, right? So you only played up to chapter five. Um, I played to the end of chapter six. Chapter six. Okay, so you didn't you didn't play any of this. No, I haven't played any of what we're talking about. Did did you did you watch those walkthroughs? Yeah, I watched all of it. Okay, so me and Trevor, we both watched the same guy uh, do walkthrough, which was the no damage run of this game on Survivor difficulty. Um, so Greg and uh, Dante were the only two of the four of us that actually completed the game. So kudos to you guys. Um, Greg, how did you feel about Chapter 9? Um, I, I really liked it. Um, you got kind of like what you were saying earlier it has a real resident evil-esque vibe to it yeah you you kind of walk into this mansion um you know you have to um you see there's this door in front of you and you're trying to figure out well how do i get it unlocked and there's three different puzzles that you have to take care of to uh to actually unlock the door um and even the whole time you're going through the the mansion it's just i mean there's a little bit of stealth in it. i mean you don't necessarily have to uh, play it super like sneaky, but um, you get that vibe of like, oh man, like you know, th- this feels like something could pop up. I mean, this is definitely, I think, one of the more creepy sections of the game. I think, um, but yeah, it's it's probably a uh, you know one of my one of my favorite chapters in the game. Was it? Um, what did you think about the the whole like? I guess you didn't get the story stuff out of it, but like the, the instances when Rufik was around. Oh, you, you mean like when he just pops up after you? Yeah, like, yeah, and you're you're trying to progress forward, and he pops up, and like, how 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 was that going through that and dealing with him? It wasn't too bad. Like, it the thing about it is, I get what they're trying to set up, but it just for me, it ended up just being like. This whole thing of well, I'm just gonna run in circles now. <laughs> he doesn't get to me, so it's just it's the the least elegant looking chase sequence ever, just because it's just me running. So like the one time you go back to the the front, uh, I guess the like entrance of the house. Yeah, the entrance of it. I'm literally just running up the stairs and running down, running up the stairs, running down, and just Does he waiting just on go away to... after a certain time. Yeah, or... after a little bit, he goes away. Oh, see, I thought like you had to get out of sight of him. Oh no, no, he just disappears after a while. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, like I said I think I mean I get what they're going for uh, just because all the times you have run across Ruvik it's just like this thing of oh if I see him if he if he gets to me I'm dead right so it's, it's a little bit of uh, you know um, panic but uh, like I said I think I've kind of at that point I kind of understand how they gamified it so I'm just like whatever I'm just going to run in circles and he'll go away eventually <laughs> that's really silly <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had talked briefly to Dante about it, and unfortunately he isn't here, but I think he ran... Yep, I, I can tune in. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, this was by far the scariest part of the game for me, because yeah. not only... 
there's definitely a thing where you can game him, but sometimes you're like you're a couple corridors deep into this place, and there's not a good way to go like backwards to a room you're comfortable with. So sometimes he'll force you to run forwards, because like he'll be on one end of the hallway. You can't run past him, even though you know everything behind him. Like you have that part of the map memorized. It's like, well, I can't go that way. Guess I need to run to this like room that I've never been in before. Pray that there's no zombies. Figure out something I can hide in, and hopefully he like doesn't see me before I like hide in this closet or under this bed. Oh, oh. I, I guess that that makes me something else I thought about. How often did you like throughout the whole playthrough? How often did you end up having to hide? Because I, I can only think of one sequence where I actually had to like hop in um, like a locker and hide from from an enemy. Very rarely. This was one of those sequences, though. Ah, okay, okay. It's one of those things where I, I thought, and, and it may come into play in, like, higher difficulties, maybe, because I don't know if that changes the AI, like, how aggressive they are as far as, like, um, you know, finding you or um, or kind of, like, patrolling. But, uh, but yeah, I guess in this playthrough, I only ended up, you know, using it once. So okay. what happens yeah, when kind of piggybacking. You? Oh, go ahead. What happens when he catches you? Like, is there an animation or anything? I think he just touches you and you basically explode, kind of. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's a. Uh, I think that's really it because I've only he died by him. Literally, you into a ball or something like that. Yeah, like I only died to him um, at the chapter where you had to fight his sister, the the creepy looking ring lady. Um, that one section where you're running down the stairs and he show he appears and you have to run back up. I think I I died there once, but I couldn't remember what happens when he kills you. Yeah, one time he found me, like, I was trying to hide under the table in the dining room in the chapter we're currently on, and I guess he saw me, and I was just this giant pile of flesh and bones after he got <laughs> done with me. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was terrifying. And the boss fight, how'd you guys like that We're, um, in the barn? Mm, it was okay. I guess it wasn't a, wasn't, like, one of the more, like... Uh, it wasn't much of a boss fight, per se. Yeah, you're just kind of shooting enemies and trying to avoid the the blood, whatever the blood monster is, or blood demon, whatever you want to call him. Um, so you, all you do to, I think, damage, to really do damage to him is just kill the enemies around you, and then that's it. Was this the chapter that had all the traps right before getting to the boss? Like, you were running away from that blood monster? Those two trap rooms? Yeah, because you have to get through box head or whatever safe head right keeper the keeper the keeper yeah because you get through him and then it takes you to that field of like sunflowers and whatnot but i i thought there was like is this the one that has the room where it has like all those those strings and if you touch those strings you die and then they also had the like when you're getting chased by the blood monster I don't, I don't remember it, but I'm looking at the walkthrough now. Yeah, they mention it. I I just don't remember it for some reason. And then the uh, the other the cages like, where you had to like you're you're going through, and there's a bunch of like the traps, and you have to disarm the traps and like shoot the the locks on the oh, cage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I know what you're talking about now. I I thought like I'm not playing, but I thought those two sequences are really cool. Like it was kind of it was very gamey, but like I was like oh like this is like a cool way to add a little bit more tension in a different way because like you know you've been 
quote-unquote chase throughout this chapter in a way where it's like hide and seek but this time it's like oh like there's something um blocking my progress and the you know like i have to shoot these cages or disarm these traps or i have to like go through this maze of this uh these strings that i can't cross in order to i don't know it's just a little bit more methodical way of like approaching being chased that i i did like it's a I think it is like effective in that sense of like it's just very stressful. Like a majority of the game, I wasn't really like you know um, challenged, but for sure like those sequences because you know that okay, well if this gets to me, I'm gonna die, and it's like and I still have that thing of like well this is like a very like um, you know. It's not a. It's a fun game to play, but it's not a good environment to be in, right? You just feel dirty. You feel like I don't. I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, like I know I don't want to do this anymore, just because the you know I don't. The aesthetic is really throwing me off. Um, so it's like one of those things where I was like, I wanted to make sure I did it right the first time, so I didn't have to worry about doing it again. You talked about like my entire time playing this game. I don't want to do this. <laughs> that was like the big thing, man. Anytime I had like a boss fight, I was like, man, I hope I can kill this boss the first time so I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to start over and do and go through this whole sequence again. The thing it. about the bosses in this game are they're generally pretty long fights. Yeah. That's interesting you said that, Greg. Is that like a knock on like the, the, the cutscenes? Or not the cutscene, the checkpoint system? No, I think... <sighs> There's only maybe one or two sections where, like, you can kind of get screwed and lose a little bit of progress. But I think, for the most part, the checkpoints are... I think they're generous enough. Um, especially towards some of the later boss fights, for sure. See, I, but, and me not playing, just watching, I just... I, I felt like this was a, like a, a long game. And I, I had told Dante, I was like, man, like, the, the guy we watch play... It took him about seven and a half hours to beat, and like, granted, he knows where everything is and all that stuff, and like, knows how to fight the bosses. I know this would have easily been like a twenty-plus hour game for me because the way the boss fights were set up and just like my play style, like, I would have always been low on ammo, and like, it, it just would have been a, a huge ordeal. And I probably would have maybe run into the same issue you did the first time playing, where you got to a certain point where it just didn't look like it was even possible to like progress without, you know, going back a chapter or two to find some more ammo. Yeah. And these games set up those type of sequences. Like I can't remember which resident evil I was reading about, but they had a system in place to essentially artificially give you ammo, depending on how much you needed it throughout the game. So they try to drive you to near empty in some sequences and then like, Oh, Okay. They're struggling a little bit, so around this corner we'll have a little bit of extra ammo or whatever. I think it was four. Yeah, I was going to say for Resident Evil 4, anytime I had, like, man, I have so much ammo or I have so much, like, healing things, like, that literally meant, like, you're about to use all that stuff, homie, because, like, you're about to run into, like, a shootout or something, like a, a huge horde. Like, every so time I felt that way. At this point in you guys' game, um, would you say that your upgrades have kind of offset the um the lack of ammo that you've gotten or the lack of ammo that you come across um i guess for me yeah cuz i definitely started dumping uh dumping gel into the matches because like the the two things like i said that i wanted to focus on a thing i mentioned last show was 
the bolts because it was obviously ammo that, I mean, assuming you have the resources, you can make this. So it's like, all right, well, I'm assuming that the the resources for this are going to be enough that I should always be able to make these. And then with the matches, I'm like, well, all I got to do is just shoot them in the leg or like down them somehow and then try to like corral them into a body and then burn them. So I was thinking of ways to like, you know, keep as much ammo as possible. So I think for the most part, I think the way that I'd specked out, you know, specked them out, I think kind of worked out for the way I was playing. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I guess like, yeah, as far as my upgrade stuff, I was definitely, I think Greg, we alluded to this a little bit earlier, we also had a couple chapters further on where we kind of got low on ammo and certain things, but for the most part, you still had your um, bow ammo or whatever it's called. Yeah. So, like, you'd run low on pistol, shotgun, sniper rifle, magnum, all that jazz, but you'd still have enough resources that, you know, you weren't completely painted into a corner. No comment. <laughs> well, that was one thing I was I was thinking about when I was watching it. Like, I guess because the guy that I was watching and the one same one Marcus was watching had already played the game, he kind of knew exactly what ammo he needed going into each chapter and which you know, what to save up on as he got to the final boss, whereas if I were to play this game, you know, I'd be, you know, conserving ammo and then end up um, oh, this is the much. boss of this chapter. Let me use all my ammo here. Yeah. Wait, there's another one immediately following it. Exactly. <laughs> On top of that, too, just the, just the um, you have a play style, I guess you could say, or like you want to use the guns that you've upgraded, so you're gonna have a bias towards those things. So like even yeah. just what you upgrade, like like I said, when I was playing, I upgraded my matches and. Um, I forgot the other thing, but, like, I don't think this dude upgraded Sebastian outside of, like, his uh, run, his running, um, uh, what do you call it, like, his stamina. His stamina. Sprint, yeah, I guess it's the sprint. Yeah, that was really it. Everything else was focused on weapons, and, like, that was completely different than how I played, where I would have, you know, been able to have max matches and all, like, he knew which bodies to burn, which I had no idea, so, like, I'd always be, I would have always been low on matches, if I was playing, because I would have burned everything because I wasn't sure if it's coming back or not. So it was really interesting because I, I know, like, usually for these types of games, I usually opt to stick with the guns that I've upgraded. And once I've used all the ammo in those, then I resort to the guns that I have less upgraded, you know? So. Well, it, the thing that separates this and the traditional Resident Evil games is the attach case. Or attach case. I don't know how you pronounce that in Resident Evil. Attach it. But essentially, they <laughs> limit the amount of stuff you can carry at That's one true. time. Yeah. Whereas this one, it it allows you to use everything. So you only really limit it by ammo, and that's it, really. Exactly. And they kind of anticipate that and factor that into the difficulty. So they pretty much make it so you have to use everything a little bit. Or at least I felt like I needed to use everything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because. And there's definitely instances, too, where, at least in this game, it's just like, whatever ammo I got, I'm going to, you would use, right? If you were running low, it's like, beggars can't be choosers. If you need to use a gun, use this gun. Or, you know, this is the ammo you got, so use it. I think I always tried to prioritize it. I'd be like, I'll start with this first, and then 
I'm going to use most of this. And then after that, if they get within this range, I'll use this. And then my fallback was generally the pistol and, you know, but I would try and like prioritize like the shotgun just because I think it did the most damage up close. And then my put down. Yeah. See, the pistol is my go-to like first weapon. I upgraded that all the way and also did the critical thing. So I went in for a headshot. If that didn't work or it was like a really big enemy that can't, I guess isn't successful to um, critical damage, then I'd probably follow up with a shotgun and then just work my way from there. When you uh, when you leveled up the critical, I guess all did you level it up all the way to critical for the handgun? That was like the first thing I did. Would it when the enemies had mask? If you should get like had a headshot, it would actually take them out, or would it be like where it chips away at their mask and they still got to shoot a second time? So it seemed like you could still get a critical on them, but the probability was lower. So let's say I had like a 60% chance on a regular just run-of-the-mill zombie. Yeah. It was probably down to about 25 on the mass in me. So those I would like shoot their leg and then try to burn them. Gotcha. Anything else Anything else for Chapter 9? Going on 10? I just want to... I want to piggyback real quickly on what Greg was saying. That chapter is super atmospheric. I think by far it's... Yeah, I think it's the best chapter in the game. Like, just the way that they set that up, they make it feel like a classic Resident Evil. Not only do they do that, but they also make it... um, They make it genuinely scary. Just, you don't have too many enemies in that chapter... But you also don't know what you're going into room to room. And then having the added pressure of Rubik behind you at all times. And him randomly attacking you throughout the level. Um, it just made for a really unique experience. Gotcha. Gotcha. <clears throat> Alright. Well, chapter 10, the Craftsman Tools. The Craftsman's Tools. So, this chapter, you end up starting off in the safe haven. This is right after the encounter in the fiery barn. And you meet this guy next to you, and you can't like he's just like, "Hey, buddy, hey, buddy, hey, buddy," and then you find out see what he's what he's um talking about, and he's just like this super shadowy figure, and he just starts talking to you about Rubik, and it's really like it's really weird, and then you end up ultimately being in this weird building that has a whole ton of traps in it, so um this is probably the most trap heavy. <laughs> level i think in this game so like um you run into there's a lot of spinning blades there's spike ceilings there's just the normal uh bear traps and explosive traps they have these protruding heat walls that like if you walk in front of them they just jut out so you have to time walking by them um it introduces this new enemy called the trauma enemy which is like these super tall fast spindly looking characters that have like these these hooks um and, like, this is actually a pretty long chapter, and about halfway through, you end up getting teleported back to the hospital by Rubik, and you end up back in the, I guess, the basement of it, or whatever, or wherever you fought Laura the, the first time, and you end up having to fight her again, um, and uh, you end up encountering Dr. Jimenez, he's been running tests, or he's currently running tests on Leslie to try to relink him to Rubik, and, um... He is successful in a sense, but you, I think you shut the machine off before it's done. 
and this giant that blob creature we talked about the it shows up and Dr. Jimenez is like happy for some reason or whatever and ends up like smashing him and the game like the the force of him smashing Dr. Jimenez like basically blows you back off your feet and you go through like multiple walls and it's like a really cool effect because it's like almost like a movie where you're just like you think you will crash into this wall and then you just go through wall after wall after wall you're just like literally like just teleport not even what do you call it like not teleporting but phase shifting it's phasing through. maybe yeah know. and uh you end up having to fight this creature this giant like beastly creature made up of a lot of different bodies in the parking garage and um what do you guys think about this chapter i'm trying to remember that fight <laughs> like it, it's the only like, thing I, re- I think you have to shoot like he has like heads and eyes that you have to focus on in the, like different parts of his body man i don't know why that? i can't remember the only thing i remember about that chapter is the uh the laura fight at the end but and it's not even at the end, that's like at the halfway point. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... Right, this is going to bug me. You guys can tell I'm going to look this up. <laughs> no, no, no. So, this is... Is this before or after you fight, like, the mini-boss dudes? So, the... What mini-boss dudes? Like, you turn on the generator or whatever, and all the power is restored, and then you have to fight those, like, hook-chain dudes? Yeah, the traumas. The traumas. Yeah, is it before them or after them? No, you fight that. That this is uh, after them. This is at the end of the chapter. So the trauma dudes are like close to the beginning of the chapter, or they're throughout the chapter. Oh, oh, okay. I know which one you're talking about. Like, you're talking about the giant thing that's destroying the cars and whatnot. Yeah, the thing that the thing that kills. Freaking him that this. thing took me forever. How could you forget about that, Greg? <laughs> I, man, I don't know. I'm I'm like really trying fighting, to. Find... You're fighting in this like parking garage area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, now I remember. Did I not I, say okay. parking garage like twice? Yeah. Well, no, I, I I don't know why it was like I, I don't know. I did Dude, almost it took me so long. I I died, so that was a part of that stream. So I died there once, and I almost died the second time. But it was like I, I was almost done with like all my ammo for I think most of my power weapons, and it was down to like handgun ammo, or maybe I had like a bolt. I had like a couple bolts left. And it was like one of those, okay, I really need this to kill him. And I shot the bolt and then finally took him out. And I was like, okay, all right, I, I lucked out. I thought, I thought, was this the part where you were going to rage quit? <laughs> uh Oh, I definitely was on the verge of it. Because, like, <laughs> it was, I don't know what it was, man. It was, uh that happens after the lore fight, right? Or is it? It's, it's after. right after him. Yeah, okay, that's why. Because I was so frustrated with the lore fight. Cause I was, I kept dying because I would either I wouldn't do enough damage, or I would try to um, I would try and burn her, but then like I was too slow at trying to shoot one of the valves to bring the fire down, or I would miss, or something wouldn't work. So I died at the lower fight like maybe four or five times, and I was just like, all right, I'm about to just cut the stream off, call it night, I'm done. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do this anymore. Did you die in any of the Laura pre-fight stuff, like the chase sequence? Um, maybe. We're talking about right before you get down to the last, like, little furnace area or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, th- so there was one time where I got stuck in 
the furnace and you're supposed to shoot the valve to let you out, but I, I couldn't figure out what, you know, where it yep. was. Um, and then there was a couple other times, I think, before that when I died, but yeah. I died. You have to redo once. a lot of that chase sequence yeah. if you mess up, and I was like, my freaking God, if I have to go through these rooms one more time and <laughs> wait for this valve for like 50 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, I was getting super salty. Yeah, it's kind of rough. Did you did you guys have any issues with the trauma characters? The hook mm. the hook creatures that were really fast? Cuz you I, fought them I, in close you fought them in close quarters. So I was wondering if you guys had any issues with them. I think the this is the two times you fight them. There's one time where there's two of them, right? I think there's two maybe yeah. three times you fight them. When there's two but of them like together. Like in this chapter there's two. Yeah, when you they turn were... on the power, and then like one shows up behind those heated pads or whatever, I think, and then later on in the chapter, like right before you get to the lore chase and stuff, you fight two of them. Yeah, I think that's where I had a little bit of trouble. I think I died there once, and then the the next time it was one of those, uh, you know, man, I really hope I can take them out with this last little bit of ammo I got, and um. Uh... But yeah, yeah, it was a little difficult dealing with them. It was mostly just because you're in kind of a uh, the area leading into where they're at. There's not a lot of space, so you know sometimes you have to go back in there to try and like you know get your bearings and reload. And then now you're in a small enclosed room with like you know two big enemies that do a lot of damage. So um, sometimes it doesn't always work out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely died a couple times on the um, the initial fight against that dude. And it was just, like, one, you're trying to figure out what you need to do because, like, the electricity's on in this area. Even though you had been through it before, all of these new traps are awakened. There's other dudes also, like, trying to kill you at the same time. So it's kind of a difficult, you know, process of figuring out, okay, do I actually need to kill this guy? Is this just a sequence where I need to run away from him? And eventually I was like, forget it, I'm going to figure out some way to kill this dude. And apparently you can just pretty much bait him into a trap and kill him that way, which yeah. I'm pretty sure your dude probably did, Marcus. No, he did. No, he actually killed the dude? Yeah. Oh. He used the uh, frost. Yeah, bolt, that's what I ended up doing eventually. Do, like, explosive bolts after that. Yep. So that was uh, his, his preferred way. I, I was thinking about it like this game, I mean, at least in my intro and like what I read up on this game, like, there's a huge emphasis on they wanted to make the enemy seem invincible. And, like, you know, so, like, it's difficult to take down these bosses or whatever. But I can't think of a single boss, for the most part, that you can't defeat, you know? Even if you technically could run by them or to, like, avoid them or whatever. Like, the early Laura stuff. Like, every boss in this game you can kill. Which I... I guess from what I was gathering, I thought he was going to try to make it where a lot of the bosses you just had to run away from, but it seems like most of them, they want you to fight them. You can run or away Or they give them. you that option, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I was like, besides like that very beginning, the, the, the chainsaw guy, I can't think of any other boss where it's just like, you have to run, that's the only way to like get past this part. Hmm. I'm I think curious, there is like, one you have to run from. I'm trying to remember it. I'm like, well, that boxhead fight that we were talking about before, like it, it'll show up later. Yeah, because I'm guessing that's store. Well, I mean, Laura, you can kill and then you kill her again later. So, 
You're right. There, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just a dream, man. <laughs> um, you guys got anything else for chapter ten? Going back to the the fight with the uh, what were those two enemies we we're saying again? The, the, the trauma. Uh, the trauma. So the, the one thing that I, I kind of like about how they set up these encounters is just kind of like if you think about the one uh, encounter where you have both of them, right? You're trying to fight them. You're trying to run away. And meanwhile, you have to run. But the room also has traps and the traps are set up in a way that if you're going through the door, you don't know it's there. Right. So it's kind of <laughs> like so. So it's like how many times have you run around a corner and just hear beep, beep, beep? It got man. It got to the point where a lot of times I was uh, I was actively trying to listen to that and decide. Well, hold up. Do I want to run backwards or do I want to like stop and crawl so I can like not set this off? Um, but yeah, like sometimes I mean a, a chunk of the game, uh, like I would just crawl through doors just to make sure I wasn't running through a trap. Um, but I, I appreciate it. it's kind of a it's kind of a dick move for them to do it. But at the same time, I appreciate it because it, it adds to the suspense of like, okay, well you can't get too comfortable with just, you know, running through this when you, when you do feel like you're comfortable, right. That's when they take out your element and put something like that there. And you're like, Oh yeah, I can't do this. You know, like I have to, I have to always be on point when I'm, uh, you know, even in encounters or trying to run away, I have to always be thinking there could be something around this corner that might mess me up. I really appreciate the extent they mess with you. Like, this didn't happen until much later, but those, like, I don't, the clock time bombs where you have to stop it on the specific spot. Yeah. Like, I can't remember if it was, like, the second to last chapter or the last chapter. I was going through, I was just trying to escape from something, and I had, like, just enough time to disarm one of those. But I hit A, and then I realized they made the window half as yeah. big as it And I was like, those mother... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know if they give you more resources for being that small, right? I, I, they like, don't. I, I actually <laughs> hit it by some luck, and it still gave me one. <laughs> it yeah. was one of those things where even though I handled it and it didn't affect me, it just made me mad. Just like <laughs> they try to get one over on you. That's funny. <laughs> so, Greg, I know you said you actually fought and killed Laura in Chapter 10. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I think I actually ran away from her because that's where um, I think you have to at the, at the last part of the fight, you have to pull the switch and then it opens the door. And then once you run through it, you can just avoid her at that point, I think I want to say. Yeah, you can escape from her pretty fast. OK, I think that's what I, I did because did. I I got so tired of trying to figure out how to kill her because I couldn't always burn her and. And there was one thing I was trying to do. I was trying to burn the bodies before she could spawn in them, but I don't even know if that even works. I don't know if it helps at all. Like, it, I don't think it does more damage if she has less bodies to spawn from. But, from what uh, I understood at that fight, like she takes more damage when she's on fire. So you could like oh, so I should have been effects. shooting her when yeah, she was. I was yeah. thinking the fire was doing the damage, so I just kind of was like, oh, this is how. You know, well, it does do it. some damage, but it, it was just more like, oh, it's almost like a multiplier. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So like, uh, if I had known that, the, the I way he would have went ahead killed I saw it was done was either setting off a fire trap and then attacking, or letting the, her spawn on one of the bodies and setting it on fire. So that way, when she came to, she'd be on fire, and then he could shoot her a couple times and run to the next body. Hmm. Um, so chapter 11, 
So, I thought this chapter, like, I mean, I did play, but I think this was maybe one of my favorite chapters to watch. So this is uh, chapter 11, The Reunion, and it was a very, much like the, uh, what's the church chapter? Uh, Chapter 6, much like chapter 6, it was very action-oriented, and it was during the day. (laughs) There was like, it wasn't dark, it was like a completely different mood. And this is going to sound really stupid, and I understand, but the city was like being transformed and like, crumpling and reshaping itself as you were going and it made me think of bonnet commando and I... <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back bringing it back to the uh the best game that we've uh, I, had to, shit. I had to come back to my mic just to groan into it <laughs> it made me think of bonnet commando like just like the oh. when you're looking off in the distance <laughs> And you see, like, destroyed cityscape, and you're at, there's different heights. Not that you can necessarily go to where you see, but, like, you can just see the city transforming, and, like, there's, like, a verticality to it. And, like, it just made me, like, there's one point, I think this is later, there's, like, a subway sticking out of a building into another building, and at one point you have to go across it. It just, it just gave me a super heavy Bonnet Commando, like, there's another game we played like that, um... Didn't we play another game that was super heavy, like Destroyed City? Um, I guess, guess not. Vanquish didn't count. I guess. I guess the only other thing enslaved. Is yeah, enslaved. Yeah, enslaved. enslaved. Yeah, yeah. Um, Your other favorite game? <laughs> I guess I forgot that, huh? Um, but yeah, it just gave me that kind of vibe, so I really appreciated it. But like this, this chapter was it was very action oriented. There was flooded parts of the city that you had to traverse and like there was Loch Ness monster like type creature that would attack you. So you, you had to like shoot haunted that were hanging from like poles or like from light poles and shoot them into the water to distract them. There was this weird doppelganger Ruvik mini boss, um, that starts appearing at this chapter. Um, there's a really weird platforming sequence where you're on like a, platform that's going across this uh distance and there's haunted on either side of you it's almost like a a, a on rail shooter sequence in in a sense um at this point you can you save and reunite with kidman the, the the cop that you your partner or one of your partners that you got separated from way back in uh chapter end of chapter one beginning of chapter two um and so you kind of have her as a partner at a point, um, which it, it's weird. And this is something I noticed in the second part where every time you were quote unquote teamed up with somebody, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but you never got their health bar. Did you guys notice that? What, that they never had a health bar? They never had a health bar. So like every I thought time you could heal them, but they never had a health bar besides the chapter... I thought there was one fight. It was a chapter five where yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying the chapter five with Joseph, you did, but from then on, you didn't. And I didn't know if you guys noticed that. And no, I didn't even think about that. So I was like, they must not going to be here for that long. So every time they got teamed up, I was thinking they were going to die, or it was just like, oh, they're not even going to be here. You know, you guys are going to get split up pretty soon. 
And sure enough, like um, you reunite with Kidman, you go a couple of buildings, and then you get to this room, and Sebastian hears this ringing noise, and he like drops to his knees, and like he like sees blood like on the ground. You, you see from his point of view, blood on the ground, and he looks up to the side, and he looks and sees his reflection, and he looks like an infected, like a, a haunted, and then he he like goes to attack Kidman and. She shoots you to knock you out, and then, which is weird. Um, and uh, the thing that threw me off, she she ends up locking you in a room. And the thing that threw me off uh, was that when you're having your episode or whatever you want to call it, she's asking you what's going on. So I think it's something that's only happening in your mind. And so you think this thing is happening because you see your reflection and you see this blood, but she's asking you what's going on. And it's really weird. Like, I don't know if they ever kind of explain how this happens. It's almost like Um, it's happening in his head. Right? (laughs) That's what I was assuming when I, when I was watching it, but you know, at this point I'm still kind of unsure what is even going on. What is real and what isn't. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, she locks you in a room and uh, she goes on and Leslie ends up freeing you. He opens the door for you, but he ends up running to avoid getting caught by Rubik. And then there's this cool sequence where you have to sneak um, through past, the, like sneak past these haunted in this like explosive gas room. So there's just a whole bunch of compression tanks. Like they're literally, it's like, think of yourself in a labyrinth instead of it being hedges that you're going through it's walls of explosive tanks and there's also haunted and traps and stuff and uh i don't like this kind of breaks the i mean i don't know if if your illusion you know isn't broken at this point but like (laughs) the fact that everybody's just chilling in this this warehouse with just gas right and it's just like all right yeah we're just walking around you know it's it's cool highly flammable uh (laughs) <laughs> building but uh yeah we're good you know <laughs> there's zombies man they're not really smart or haunted. i guess <laughs> but yeah once you get through there then you uh that's pretty much the end of the chapter but like like i said it's very very action oriented and introducing some cool new characters or new enemy types and um yeah how, how'd you guys think about chapter 11 um I liked it. It was a nice change of pace. Anytime that you're not kind of stuck in a, uh, you know, in a, you know, dirty looking sewer or like a dark building, it's kind of nice to have that to switch things up for a little bit. Um, it was also more combat focused, which is one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. You got anything, Dante? So, I'm trying to remember all that happens. Like, this is the part with the Loch Ness enemy things, right? Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty cool sequence. Like, just the fact that they had you do something different than you're used to. Like, hey, bait this enemy over here. Make it chomp on this body. Try to sneak around it. I enjoyed that part. You meet up with Kitman, and um, you have to fight off a couple zombies with her, but... I don't remember too much aside from that. There's no boss, is there? No boss. No boss. Like, they introduced okay. that um, doppelganger Rubik character. I don't know if yeah, you Yeah, that dude kind of freaked issues, me out the first time. Issues with him. 
Is like, he I didn't the one have that... any issues. He just scared me. I was like, man, how am I supposed to handle this? Because this is Ruvik. But then it just turns out you have to shoot him. <laughs> He's not conjuring up like that thing of hands at that point, is he? Yeah, off the ground, yeah. Yes. Okay, all right, yeah. That was the thing that messed me up a couple times. Okay. And Trevor, like, I haven't really gone to you. Like, what is your take on this chapter, having just watching it? So, like you, I like this chapter because you're outside. I'm not going to say it's... I guess it's kind of similar to um, Bond a Commando, except you don't die in the water. <laughs> oh, and, like, it's not the same three buildings for the entire game. That okay, too. then compare to Enslaved. <laughs> but I think the like the visuals in the um in the level are really good because they use like a bunch of those um um I guess like trucks and crates and stuff and a lot of stuff like really pops and stands out. It's just like a brighter section of the game. Yeah. It's like you get an appreciation for some of the environments that they can create cuz like no offense but like hospitals like kind of look all the same warehouses all look kind of the same so even if they put like a little bit of attention to detail and include like this little nod to whatever it's just like it's not as effective and it's like a lot of dark dirty looking environment so it's all kind of samey but when they're out in the open in the environment in the world you can be like oh well this world isn't dark and dirty it's just like I don't know. It's just like a really good change of pace. Yeah, and they made it a lot more action-y than, than stealth. Yeah, yeah. I will say, um, I mean, even going on, did you guys have anything else for Chapter 11? No. I was going to say that oh, it reminded me of The Last of Us a lot. I, I was going to say it reminded me of Resident Evil 4 now, just because it was like you're in a bigger, like, you know, in some of these encounters, you're in like a bigger open environment. And they send multiple enemies your way, and there's different paths you could go. You could climb up these stairs, try and, like, you know, kite them over there. And then maybe there's some other enemies that spawn on another platform somewhere else that you got to take out. So it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> the only thing that was, like, dumb, I guess, is the platform sequence. Where you, I, oh, yeah. I, something like, I just hate, like, I'm a enemy, and I'm going to stand by this explosive barrel. Like... <laughs> or the fact that like sometimes they weren't even that close to the edge and you shot them one time and they would just fall over like whoa <laughs> and I guess it makes sense right because you don't want people to burn through their ammo So, but it's like alright it's it's so silly because there was times where I swear they they like nowhere near the edge and I just shot them and they would just magically just fall over they just turn they, they, they do a 180 turn and fall yeah. backwards <laughs> <laughs> um well, speaking of cool chapters, I also thought chapter 12 was freaking cool. Um, and I think these might be my two favorite, like, as a viewer, favorite. And I think I would have fun playing them chapters in this game. Um, so chapter 12, The Ride. And beginning of this chapter, you get reunited with Joseph, and he reveals that he hasn't had any episodes anymore. And this is, you're still in the city, and it's so cool, like, as you're, like, moving around and everything, like, the city is being destroyed, and I can't, like, it's, it's, it's cool, like, I, like, buildings are coming up out of the ground, buildings are falling into the ground, like, I don't know, I don't want to say Inception, because I feel like that is, like, a, 
Like the nope, first that thing. was the first thing my mind went to. <laughs> but I feel like it's like the, the, the default, and like real ones will say Doctor Strange, you know what I'm saying? Because Doctor Strange is cool. You should see Doctor Strange if you haven't seen it. Moving on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, it, it just, it, it, that effect, like, of the city just, like, a new city happening while you're going through an existing city. Um, and he's basically like, oh, well, I got this ride. I'm not sure if it works. And he points to, like, some school bus. And you're like, all right, cool. So then, like, it, you guys are on the school bus. And then, like, you're talking to him, just catching up with him. And then Kidman just runs on the bus and starts it up and, like, you know, drives off. And you're like, what's going on? And you see this giant spider creature is trying to attack the bus. And it ends up, like, ripping the top off of the bus. So now you're in a convertible bus. And um, it starts just chasing you. And you have to shoot it. And it's, I mean, it's a a big boss fight now. And um, uh, it's cool because, like, it's almost kind of divided up into waves over the course of this entire level. So you, you, you know, shoot its mouth, whatever it, as it's trying to attack you. And then it drops off these spider babies and you kill them. And then you do enough damage to it. Then it like, you get away on the bus. Cause this entire time Kidman is driving the bus. Um, and then you end up getting the bus stuck in this section where you can't go any further. And then there's this super long shootout with haunted with their, they have the height advantage. So they're looking down at you guys and it's you Kidman and Joseph. And you guys are just like attacking. Like you're getting attacked from basically all three sides of the bus. And they have these, these haunted have snipers. There's some that are trying to get into the bus. There's some that have dynamite and like, it's, it's like a, a really long shootout sequence. And then, I think it culminates with you taking on a dynamite guy. His dynamite rolls underneath some oil rig that just happens to be there. And it, like, explodes and clears the space. And then you guys can keep going along. Then you get attacked by the spider again. And this time it it tries to stab you with his legs, like its legs. And it's the same thing. You got to shoot in its mouth to take care of its spider babies. And you end up, like, killing it and dealing with it. And so you're still on the bus. And Joseph and... uh, Sebastian have this plan that we should return to the hospital that seems to be the center of where everything is happening and it just seems to be the only thing that's untouched which is really weird so uh, you're on the bus and then Joseph just gets sniped in his stomach and Kidman like she stops the bus and she's about to uh, uh, Sebastian's like I'll get some supplies from this ambulance that's in this traffic jam on the highway all these abandoned cars on the highway so then you have the sequence where you have to traverse through these cars and avoid, like, there's a bunch of traps and a bunch of haunted there. And you get the supplies, and on your way back, there's a haunted that comes in a Humvee with a turret, and it starts killing, like, shooting at you, so you have to take the turret out. And then you can mount the turret, and then you have to fight, like, waves of haunted as they're trying to overtake you, which is, like, another really cool action sequence. And then um, you kill a couple of waves, and you make a run for the bus. And at this point, then you you're you get to control the bus and kind of drive it down the street to dodge the cars and the haunted that are trying to attack you. And um, at this point, you're you're, um, you're you're driving to the hospital, and Ruvik appears in the street, and he uses his power to like force the bus to crash. 
and uh, it kind of se- it separates you and um, you and Sebastian from Kidman. So that's where the chapter ends with you guys being separated again. So, what do you guys think about this action-packed sequence? This action-packed chapter. Um, it was cool. Uh, I think the thing that I did like was kind of the set piece with the boss, just kind of the whole cinematic of him ripping the top off, um, having to like deal with him while the bus is moving. Uh, the only part that I didn't really care for was the trek to the ambulance. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like the I felt like it th- throws off the pace because you have this kind of actiony thing, and then now it's like. I mean, you, you, you could definitely run and gun it, but I guess maybe it was a thing of me playing it. I was trying to conserve ammo, so I was because this is where I previously got stuck at for that reason. Um, so I was trying to conserve ammo, and I was like trying to play it stealthily, but there's times where it was like you just kind of had to deal with what happened, and uh, you know sometimes shoot it out. But um, but yeah, there's the two things I didn't expect because. Um, like I said, I hadn't made it past this before, but the two things I didn't expect was being able to get on a turret. So that was kind of cool. Um, anytime you can dispose of a lot of enemies and I don't have to use any of my stuff, I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, disposed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then the bus part, being able to drive the bus. I mean, it's again, it's not a you know, it's not a major thing, but it was kind of cool to have something, you know, have a little bit of variety to the game at this point. Not that it's gotten stale or anything, but, you know, any, you know, any variety is appreciated, you know? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Dante? I thought it was a pretty cool sequence. Like, as Greg was saying, you kind of just roll with the punches. A lot of the times in, like, games like these, if I'm not doing well, I'll just load the last checkpoint just to make sure I'm not, like, completely wasting ammo or screwing myself over. But you just kind of go with it right here. It's just like, okay, I'm going to use a lot of ammo. I'm going to get hit a couple times, but there's not too much I could do differently aside from play better. So, kind of appreciated the, you know, tonal change that you have. I appreciated the turret sequence near the end. That was a lot of fun. It was a little easy in my opinion, but, um, you know, sometimes you just need that, you know, Endorphin powerful. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I was I was here for this chapter. What about you, Trevor? How do you, how do you think of this chapter? What do you think of it? Um, it's it seemed. Well, I'm not going to say it was out of place, but it was it was a good change of pace for this game. It kind of reminded me of like those, I guess, like um, third person shooters whenever they incorporate like a not necessarily like a rail shooter level, but I don't know, just kind of like a I'm trying to think of the the right term for it. For me, ah, sorry. Uh, for me, hearing you guys talk about it, like I agree with everything you guys are saying. It does seem out of place. It seemed very like Gears of War to me. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. <laughs> like, the only thing that was missing was, like, at that shootout sequence, being able to get behind cover. Like, it seemed like it was straight out of Gears of War. Um, I mean, you had the turret sequence. Oh, it's 100% Gears of War. And, like, I mean, I don't dislike it. I think it's really cool. It is really weird being in this game, though. 
but I thought it was cool. And it's like, like you guys say, it's, it's a change of pace, but it's a nice change of pace from what has been going on so far. Um, but yeah, I, I was just like, man, this doesn't seem to fit. Cause I mean, like Kidman comes out of nowhere, doesn't explain herself. Like, where does this spider ball enemy come from? Like, Welcome like, to the last half of this game. <laughs> but I don't, I, I mean, just so, like in comparison to everything else, everything else has been some weird creature, like, like I don't know, like a hook hand creature and like this huge beast-like thing made up of different bodies. And now here you have like, this is a spider. It's just really big. And it's just like everything else has been like, the most, the most absurd nightmare creature you can imagine, and then in this chapter, it's like, oh, it's a spider, boo. And and that part kind of threw me off too, because when the, when we first started playing this game, I was expecting it to be like this really like Lovecraftian type, um, I don't know, zombie apocalypse. Uh, but it it took on a a huge, it took on a very different tone, um. Especially with this kind of boss, and even the boss before, because the you know the boss before had a bunch of heads and or bodies, you know, connected to each other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else for this? No, chapter? like the second we got out of chapter eleven and we got into that ruined cityscape, I knew we were in for like a tonal shift for the rest of the game, just because I've played enough of these games to know. It's it's almost a trope of the genre. So having this turret sequence, it didn't phase me. It it didn't even affect me. I was like, okay, of course, of course they're gonna go here with this game. The yeah, I mean, I I guess I can see that. It, it, like there's a there's a hard shift in this game where, like, in my opinion, you get no story beats. That the first part of the game that we cut co- we covered conveniently is the first part of the game like that those first eight chapters there's like no story delivered it's like they condense all the story beats that they give you in the back six six chapters seven chapters and that kind of it is there's a lot of quote-unquote mystery in the first half of the game i mean not to say there's none in this second half because there's a ton of mystery but like you're you're getting to the bottom of things in the second chapter or the second half of the game where the first half is just kind of like what's going on the whole time you know i don't think you're unveiling enough of the story in order to to feel like you're getting anything out of it and yeah i i have to contest what you said because it felt like we were getting close to something near the chapter like 10 and 11 mark and then it's like wait what is going on with this world at this point from here on out <laughs> Mm, yeah, but it's just I feel one like, door closes and another opens. You feel like this game is one of those games where like you get a different meaning out of it the second time you play it, or not even like a second a, a different meaning, but a better understanding. You think it's one of those types of games? Mm, I don't know about that. That's what like, I'm saying. I feel like this is look at a wiki and oh, okay, this is what they were going for. Yeah. So like, okay, so this is something that I wanted to ask you guys. Do you notice that the safe haven slowly starts to decay as the world is? Yeah. yeah. And like, that's when you start meeting that inmate and he's kind of like off his rocker, I guess you can say. But like, yeah. they don't, 
I, I feel like if I read a is. wiki, I could figure out exactly what's happening with all the inmates, the nurse who we'll get to in a moment, I'm sure. Um, everybody else in that place and the little side stories that go on. There's stuff there. It's just I I wasn't engaged enough in the world to read all of the little um I mean, I saw all the audio docs, but all like the little you know, records and newspaper clippings and, and stuff like that. And you know what the problem is? Is what's that? Why are they delivering story beats to the collectibles? That's every game since BioShock, I feel. But like. what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is for a game like I don't know, I want to say a game like this, but like I feel like that is a huge flaw in this game and how they do the story. Is that oh. unless you're getting these collectibles, like you wouldn't know what's going on. And you still like Greg skipped like the hologram stuff, so he didn't know what was going on and that's on him, but like it's just like I think it's to give you the option of engaging with the world as much as you want to. Which, like, I don't want to say a lot of games do that, but a decent amount do nowadays. Like, going back to the Souls games, they always have these very abstract stories. And if you read, like, all the item descriptions, literally every item in the game has, like, two or three paragraphs written about it. You could be like, oh, well, Father Gascoigne used this blood vial in 1982 to um, research Chimera stuff, and that's how this got performed. But I mean... And this game has a little bit of that. But I, I... Well, more so what I mean is, like, I can only think of maybe... I will I will say five. I can think of two off the top of my head, but I would say there's maybe five cutscenes that are important in this game. The rest of the cutscenes are inconsequential. And conversely... There are more than five collectibles that are important in helping deliver story beats in this game. And it is so weird to me that, like, they have, like, there's literally, like, every chapter, it seems to start off with a cutscene and maybe end with one. Or, like, there seems to be at least two cutscenes per chapter. And, like, a lot of the cutscenes don't do anything. Like, they don't even do anything, like, cool. Like, you know, like, where you see games where they show, like, cool, like... Like I'm trying to. Man, I don't know. Joseph made me go back for those glasses that one time. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying, <laughs> well, what I'm saying is like, okay, we play something like Vanquish, and like the cutscenes in that game, they're very stylish. And like in this game, they're not stylish. They don't really deliver any important exposition. They like, what are they there for? I think there are some kind of stylish cutscenes, but I, I get what you're saying as far as like they don't really push the narrative very well if, if that's uh, yeah, what you mean like, I, 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 I don't I don't know I think enough about in, go ahead I'm not going to say it's good or not but I think they're intentionally designed to some extent to confuse you and make you question the reality of this game does this game happen because I still don't know I honest to god don't know so I have a, if the stuff that I went through for the 15 chapters happened or not I have a theory like this guy is living out completely different nightmares in each chapter. He he's basically like um Vincent where he's just living in a nightmare and each chapter I, I could see that he wakes up and he's just like, Okay, let me go back to sleep and then he's in a completely different nightmare. But see the thing is there's no in between. So it's like one long nightmare, you know? And 
kind of something that Dante said before, like you don't really have any control over where you're going. You are being basically led or shepherded to a location like a sheep. Like there's no, like you have no control of where you're going. It seems like, because if you go somewhere, you're not supposed to Rubik's going to show up and he's going to make you fall to where he wants you to be. (laughs) Or he can just like seemingly teleport you to a different part of that world or different part of the dream or wherever. So it doesn't seem like you have any uh, agency in where you're going. So like, I, I guess that helps it make it seem like a nightmare because like you have no control, but it's just really like, I don't know. It's, it doesn't help the story to me, but I definitely think that it is part of the story to not know what's going on, to be confusing and convoluted. But I don't know. I don't. I personally don't like that. As a viewer slash player, it's like that's not appealing to me. I get why it is appealing, but it's just not my cup of tea. Um, anything else with chapter twelve? All right, cool. Chapter thirteen. Um, casualties. So again, you're still in the city. It's still being destroyed, and you and Joseph are basically heading to the uh, mental hospital. And as the city is being destroyed, you guys are in like this skyscraper apartment building, and you end up getting separated in this elevator shaft um, area. So Joseph's like, "I'm gonna go. I see a different way. I can get to this spot. Meet me here." So you guys are split up, and um, this building has a lot of traps and a lot of keepers, and this. Uh, section there's a lot of traps and a lot of keepers and they introduce this new uh acid trap which is pretty uh brutal um but you end up you're like making your way down this building and you end up in a like an industrial kitchen section and you see joseph being chased by a keeper and basically you're like oh i'm about to go help out my homie and ruvik shows up and prevents you from helping him he basically turns the kitchen into a trap kitchen and uh, there's a bunch of like acid traps and bear traps, and there's spike ceilings and walls, and um, these spinning these new spinning saw blade like Roomba creature things <laughs> that are on the ground. And so you have to like make your way, disabling all these traps and all this stuff to get out this kitchen. And you end up following Joseph down a hallway, and he like basically barely escapes from this keeper and like a dumb waiter that's in a freezer locker. And then you end up having to fight keepers in this freezer locker. And after you take them out, you take the dumb waiter down and you see Kidman outside on the playground with Leslie. And it starts up this cutscene and she pulls she pulls a gun on Leslie and you you stop you come from behind and pull your gun out to stop her. And she basically says it's her mission to stop Ruvik by taking out Leslie and you make contact or eye contact with Joseph and Kisman is unaware and he runs to try to scoop up Leslie and Leslie screams and the city kind of does like this earthquake effect and she shoots and she ends up shooting and shooting uh, Joseph and then runs off after Leslie and the ground like crumbles beneath you and Sebastian falls down this like crater i don't know i'm not crater but like the the he falls down this crumpling playground and that's where the chapter ends 
so it's just another one of those chapters where he's falling at the end um what do you guys think of chapter 13 taking place in the apartment building it's a lot more confined and with traps and a lot of the keepers man like this chapter seemed like something out of a nightmare which kind of leads itself to Trevor's like theory or whatever but when you start seeing those are the keepers the box head, box head dudes? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. When you start seeing them just, like, ran- randomly, like, wandering these halls in this random building alongside, like, fake Ruvik and I think there's another enemy or two in there that you've seen before that is kind of, like, a big bad, quote-unquote. I'm just like, man, this seems bad. This is a bad situation. How did you get yourself in this situation, Sebastian? <laughs> Like Isn't the keeper like dragging a body with him at one point in the uh, in that chapter? I think so. Like his hammer has a sharp side on one end, and I think attached to the sharp side is a body. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and like gameplay wise, it was pretty interesting. So you can kind of stealth your way through a decent amount of the chapter. But there are sequences where you have to disarm these um, acid traps, as Marcus was saying. And those take a very long time to disarm. So you kind of just have to prepare in advance like what you want to do from a gameplay standpoint and then execute. I definitely tried to play that chapter stealth, like with stealth for the, for the most part. And with all the traps being around, I ended up with like just a ton of like resources to make bolts. So it ended up working out. Did you guys like the um, that kitchen section? I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like, oh. and the thing that's cool about it is they're still introducing like new things at this point in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, it's it's something small as like having a uh, a new trap, but like it was the, the way that Roombas. yeah, <laughs> but it was like having that, and then having to do with. You know, trying to get through the fire, and then there's like a few wire traps around there as well. So I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was interesting that those traps were quote unquote forgiving to some extent. I assumed if they hit me, I was going to die instantly, but they only take off like a little bit of damage. So one time, I swear that thing took at least like 50% health. I don't know if it was because I don't know if it was something next to me, but. I swear, it was like he hit me like one of those hit me one time and it literally took off like almost all my health. So is this the one where um there's a meat packing room with the keepers? Yeah, that's that's the chapter yeah. with that. Yeah, that was kind of ugh. Me and Greg were talking about it a little bit and just essentially you have to wait for this elevator to come down to your floor. And you have to do a little bit of damage to this dude before it actually, like, triggers the game sequence or whatever. And we were just trying to run around at first, but that wasn't working. (laughs) And that was a little frustrating. Say that again? So, there's a sequence where you're in, like, this meat packing room or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's an elevator that you hit the button and you have to wait for it to come down to your floor. For it to actually come down... From a like game standpoint, you have to do X amount of damage to the keeper in the room. And without knowing that, you're just like, oh, well, I'm just going to buy my time by running around in a circle and um, wait for the elevator to come down. 
but you literally have to damage this dude for the elevator to get down to that floor. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, it was a little frustrating, especially because, like, once you start doing damage to him, he does the thing where he, like, his one body dies, he comes back in a new body, but then the Roombas start showing up, and going through that meatpacking room with the Roombas and this dude chasing you is pretty frustrating. Yeah, I didn't know about the uh, it, then well, like the enemy is supposed to be taking enough damage, and then the uh, the elevator comes up. So I was just running around. So I'm doing that for like five minutes, and I'm thinking to myself, "Huh, it's taking a while for this, uh, this elevator to come back, huh?" And uh, eventually, I died there because, or I just I told myself, "I'm just gonna kill myself," because you know I I don't really want to try and do this with the little bit of health that I have. And then the second time I just tried to kill him and that, that ended up working out. I killed one of them. And after I killed one of them, um, the elevator came up. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's time to get out of there. Yeah. All right. Anything else for the chapter? Any of you ever seen Soul? Yeah. This game. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> this game has so many levels that just look like they came straight out of a Saw movie. Especially with the traps. Yeah. Like that one level. I feel like the butcher theme is closely associated with Saw. With me not having seen any Saws, but it seemed like that dude could have been in a Saw movie. Yeah. The thing for me was when Kidman was in that uh, water uh, box that was being filled up. Yeah. And I guess because there's a lot of barbed wire in this game, you can kind of get that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can kind of get that vibe from it, right? Like. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, isn't like the cover photo a dude's face in barbed wire and a needle going into his eye or something like that? I think so. That sounds that sounds crazy or creepy enough. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anything else for this chapter? Uh, no, I think All that's right. it. Chapter 14, Ulterior Motives. Uh, So this one, you're underground now, so you're in a subway station, conveniently. um, And you get ambushed while on the train tracks. And, like, just a random aside, as soon as I saw, like, oh, the zombies train station, it made, immediately I thought of Left 4 Dead. Immediately. (laughs) And, um... Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, that that ambush kind of caught me off guard when it happened, because I saw the hanging body, like there's a body strung up next to a what looks to be some type of alarm system. I'm like, oh, I'll just walk around it. It's like, no, it. The second you get close to it, the body just falls and alerts everything. And I don't think there's any good way to get around it for real. There's, you can dis disarm it. Or, no, 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 I think the way to get around it is to do that part last. <laughs> I think I that, think that's ultimately what I ended up doing. Like, I got into the water, burned all the bodies there. Then I was like, okay, I've done as much as I can. I shot the people in the train that I had to go into. Because I think one of them has, like, a snipe rifle or something. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also a fake rivet that attacks at the same time. So there's just a lot of stuff you have to deal with down the subway. <laughs> Actually, do you mind handling these two chapters since you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can do it. Thank you. 
So, um, pretty much as Marcus was saying, you start out in the subway, there's this big ambush in the train station. Um, you get a little bit further in, and you're kind of crawling through this high-voltage electricity chamber where, um, I can't remember exactly all that happens, but there's a lot of those enemies with the, the two heads and, I guess, stomach, limb, whatever you want to call it. And you keep going further in. At some point, you go into the medical ward. And this might be the last time you actually go into the ward itself. You guys remember? But essentially, like, the nurse is there. And you see her see her put up a missing persons poster. But it's for her. She's putting up a missing per- persons poster for herself. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The now. meta. And I was so confused. <laughs> I mean, I've been confused throughout the entire game, but you know, it, it was just one of those things where I was like, "Well, most of this probably isn't real. I, I probably should look into it, but I'm not going to at the moment." It's probably a really good wiki article. I had a theory about her being lore at one point, and I don't know. Anyway, somehow you get out of the medical ward, and you go back into the um, electric area, and. You're walking through the corridors, you see a zombie in the distance, and you're like, oh, let me run up on this guy and kill him. And then, no. A tentacle comes out of nowhere and just swoops him up, and that dude is gone. So now, you're worrying about these tentacles as you're going through these hallways, just randomly attacking you. And get a little bit deeper in, you find an elevator... You get to the elevator, but you need to turn on the electricity for it. Hit this generator, and as you turn on the generator, you get attacked by a giant squid. So, what did you guys think about, like, all this chapter up until the squid boss? Um, I liked it. I'm trying to remember exactly everything that happened. So, going through the subway, I thought was pretty cool. Um, I think you're collecting fuses as you go through this, right? If I remember right, I think there's a couple fuses. Yeah, is that you have to do that puzzle right at the end before the yeah. generator. So, um, there was one section I did leave out where, um, essentially, it's after the squid has started attacking you, and there's also these spider walls that just randomly started appearing. I haven't seen any spiders in the game. I don't think there are. But there are these walls that you have to burn down with matches. The biggest spider? And <laughs> I was just thinking of huh? it. The biggest spider that you fight on the bus? The biggest. Oh, yeah, that dude. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, he was a couple chapters ago. I guess man. that, that was... maybe explains where he was maybe in the, the metro area the entire time underground. That's where he was until he decided to be all Gears of War on somebody. Right? Yeah. But, um... There's a sequence where you have to lower the water level, and yeah. you're going through these corridors, and, like, the walls start squishing in on you, and you're having to, like, I think the word, sidle, siddle, siddle, sidle? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When you walk sideways over Waker. a cliff. Yeah, it's in Wind Waker. Yes. <laughs> I know what you, I don't know how to say it. I think it's sidle. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about. I was, just, I was like, man, they're making us Wind Waker through here. <laughs> but, um... There's a lot of those two-headed enemies that start coming alive, and you're trying to get through these narrow corridors, and they're kind of evolving as you go through them. And that's, like, right before the squid boss. 
the one thing I will say as somebody watching this chapter, you know, not playing it, is it's really gross. Um, the, uh, I like the subway aesthetic, I guess you can say. Um, and it was a really good tension adding when they showed that tentacle grabbing that dude. Because now you're like, I don't know what that is, but I know I'm going to have to deal with it. And when you get attacked by it, when you turn on that generator, it's very like, I jumped. I jumped. Because <laughs> I was not expecting it. Because it, it, it like jumped off the wall, didn't it? Like it was invisible and it jumped off the wall at you. I think so, yeah. And yeah, I it got me. Um, the the guy we, me and Trevor were watching, he took it down in no no problem. But he did say that this is a very tricky fight. So I can imagine. Like I'm interested to hear how your guys' experience with with against that boss. So I didn't really have too big of a problem with him. I think. Um... Because I had a stockpile of ammo at this point. Um, I think there was one time where I just, I didn't dodge him. And apparently I think he has an attack that just is a one hit kill. And he caught me that way once. But other than that, once I figured out um, that when you see the leeches drop, that's where he's at. Um, So you kind of, once he does disappear, once you do a little, because you do a little bit of damage to him and then he disappears. And you'll start seeing leeches, and you follow the leeches um, where they're spawning from, and that's where he's at. You do a little bit more damage to him, rinse, repeat until you kill him, basically. Um, and the other good thing about it is killing the leeches gives you ammo anyway, um, so you're not really, you know, um, you know, at a loss for like resources and getting rid of them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think maybe on like higher difficulties, I could see it being kind of hard because I'm pretty sure the leeches probably do way more damage and, um, I don't know if he's any more aggressive, but, but yeah, I didn't really have too big of a problem on, on this playthrough. Man, this dude killed me at least five or six times. <laughs> Just, like most, pretty much everything you said was true. Like the leeches do lead you to them. They don't do like a tremendous amount of damage. They do they do a decent amount, but not enough that I was getting worried about them per se. Yeah. And he doesn't have too many attacks, but his attacks do a lot of damage and they're also kinda hard to dodge in my opinion. So he does this like charge straight at you and your guy not being able to just like strafe left or strafe right easily, that was hard to dodge. He has like this lunge attack with his tentacles and he does that at like five times in a row so just getting out of the range of that was difficult he dropped the leeches but then I'd always have the hardest time figuring out where he actually dropped them from so even though I knew he was like hiding in these little I don't know areas up top yeah I just for the life of me I couldn't locate him half the time it was that and then sometimes he would uh he would just be invisible. So instead of being like uh, hanging from the ceiling, sometimes he would just be invisible. Like, and in it was front hard of you. to know if you should be looking up, like up or down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And he did hit me with that one hit kill once. Yeah. Where I guess if he's invisible and you get too close, he just chomps you. Sounds but, like fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, you should have been there. But I'm pretty sure 
you beat him, and then you kind of go into a sequence that you've been into before, where you had to like disconnect the zombie dudes from the brain. I think that was this chapter. Yeah, I think that before is the one. That, that before that, the train wasn't the train sequence before this. You're right. The train is before this. <laughs> that part is so so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so cool though, man. No, it's not. Ru- Ruvik is. Oh my gosh, man! So, you go up this elevator, and do you get knocked into the train, or does the elevator take you to a train? I want to say it takes you to the train because I remember at some point you and uh, Joseph saying like, "Oh yeah, we need to go across the subway." Yeah, and I guess since we are in a subway this chapter, yeah. So you get to this subway train or whatever, and you're just walking through it, and all of a sudden you see these steel beams be like, do not come closer, you're dead, you are already dead, blah, blah, blah. You will suffer. Some real, like, Fist of the (laughs) North Star stuff. And um, behind those beams, you see Ruvik, and... Do you have to run away from him at this point, or is it just kind of like a walking sequence? I think you have to walk towards him, I thought. You're right. It was like one of the few times where it's like, no, go towards him instead of away from him. You know, it had those cinematic bars on, so I knew I was good. (laughs) I was like, they can't kill me during one of these sequences, surely. But, um, eventually you get done with him. I think he knocks you again, and that sends you to the little, like, brain room or whatever, where you have to disconnect the people. The Matrix part. Yes, the very matrix s part. And they give a little bit of backstory on him. Rubik's got his bandages on, and he's talking to the doctor. And I can't remember exactly what they're talking about here, but Rubik's always up to no good, so... Do you remember, Marcus? Okay, so... It's stupid very stupid so Ruvik is at the hospital talking to Jimenez and I guess they've had some type of falling out or Jimenez basically betrays Ruvik and is basically like oh you know this research and stuff you've been doing it's not yours no more it's mine and uh, I'm gonna publish it and he brought his goons in to basically strong arm Ruvik uh, so it was like a couple of guys in some, you know, black suits and shades and all that. So it's his muscle. And I think they're part of this organization called Mobius, which, again, they don't, this is stuff that I found out later. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. I had the thing up. Does Ruvik kill them or how does he get out of that situation? Does it show? No. Let me, let me, sorry. So basically, uh, his, his, here's, this is from this article. So his thing is called STEM. The machine is called STEM. And uh, STEM has been intended to be a way for Ruben to, Ruben, aka Ruvik, to reshape his reality so he could return to his sister, Laura. However, Dr. Jimenez has taken interest in STEM and revealed it to the shadowy Mobius organization, which wanted to use the machine for its own purposes. Mobius kills Ruvik, but was forced to leave his brain animated as a brain is necessary to run the STEM world. So, 
Ruvik is basically in charge of this nightmare that's being taken taking place in his STEM world. Does that make any sense? Kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> I, I got it, guys. I got it. Who among us has played Star Fox 64? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, Who I'm, has I'm... the true brains to rule Lilat? <laughs> I ask these questions, for I know who Ruvik truly is. Andros. Do a barrel roll. Come on, you guys fought Andros's <laughs> yeah. brain, right? You you guys took the right way to Venom, right? Man, it's been so long since I played that game. <laughs> Bro, you fight Andros's brain in not such a dissimilar way to how you fight Ruvik the next chapter. <laughs> Let's get into it. I mean, there is a big red target on some things you got to shoot, so you know. Get into it. Go to that chapter. Last chapter. All right. The last chapter is called. And evil within. So, the first, like, 10 or 12 minutes, you're just chasing after Leslie, I think. It's just like, you're chasing after this dude all the, like, you go through so many places. You go through, like, a church. You go through, like, these, like, hallways and, like, really weird corridors. And I forget essentially how he eventually gets away from you. But you get teleported to this like big open arena with all of these eyeballs looking at you. And you have to fight a lot of zombies here. Eventually one spawns with a chainsaw. And um, you kill him, go to the next area, where there's also, I think, a couple eyeballs and a lot of dudes sniping at you. You take care of them. You end up in this like cold storage room, I'd like to say, that's also booby-trapped. With a couple of the safe head guys, the um, the keepers, if we're going with formal titles. You have to fight two of them at once, and you have to fight them because they don't open the door unless you kill both of them. And that takes you to a weird, trippy stealth section where it kind of reminded me of... Do you remember that last part of the Life is Strange where you're in this really dark place and all of like your friends and family are looking through these hallways trying to find you. And if you get spotted, you have to rewind. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much like that with Ruvik and these like spotlights. So you're just like carefully, cautiously trying to navigate through these corridors. And after you get through there, I think this is where you reach Ruvik's brain? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Is is it Ruvik's brain? Like, I'm trying to remember all of this fever dream that I had. It's like a so you have the, mind. You have that big arena fight first, and then after that is when you go through the little spotlight thing. And then it's Ruvik's brain after that, I think. It, okay, it is a brain, because it's a brain, but he's a entity in the brain. Like, his body manifests from within the brain. And evil within. Does that sound right as far as describing him? And, and then Leslie turns into liquid at some point. Oh, he's liquid snake. <laughs> <laughs> this is some real lale lule low stuff, but um, yeah, you you end up fighting this giant brain thing with a rocket launcher after getting impaled by um, barbed wire. <laughs> yes, a giant barb thing okay. that makes you certainly look. You're like, oh man, my dude's super dead. 
And the pain that he's in means, oh, I can't move at all. But then he's, like, running around anime-style not too long after that. Okay, so you skipped around a lot. And I need to go back a little bit. No, I, th- I thought we were just, you know, giving the summary of what happened in that chapter, <laughs> which is a lot. Okay. But then we could go back. What are your thoughts? The one thing I will say, not going too far back, the first part, when you fight the first form of Leslie, when you're, like, so he's, like, this brain with all these tentacles or, like, stems coming out, and they're arms that are attacking you, but one is holding you, and you just so happen to be sitting in a turret, or in a Humvee that has a turret. Do you remember that part? Oh, yeah. Do you guys not remember that part? Oh no! Oh, the fact that you you're you get in a to... turret car. You're in a Humvee with the. That's the best part. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so that out of so place. Dumb. That was so dumb. It was. So it's so dumb. out of place, but it's so good. Did you ever? I could not appreciate this fight. Just me being a gamer trying to appreciate gamer logic, but this was just a little bit too much. I was like. What if he just dropped me out of his exactly. head? I mean, I thought about that after the fact, but it was just like, yo, I'm here for this. It was like, like it, it was like playing like a a what do you call the genre of game? Like a, a shooting, like the when you're in the plane, on rail shooter, the plane when you're in like a plane, like 1942 and uh, oh, it's like a shoot a smup, I guess you know. I guess you like, like, yeah, shoot him up. But yeah. and you're, you're like in one of, like that, so it's first, like not first person, but third person, and you're in a you can't control the car, right? No, no. You can only control your reticle. It's so dumb. And then from there, I think he finally wises up and, like, shakes the the, 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 you out of the car. And that's when you get impaled on the barbed wire. And then another guy, uh, Haunted, also gets impaled on barbed wire just a little bit above you. And he just (laughs) so happens to be holding on to his rocket launcher. And you reach up and grab it. And then Ruvik on his brain mobile or brain monster <laughs> that he's in. He's essentially crying, I guess, right? He, he, yeah, his... and he just charges you. <laughs> and all you have to do is just keep shooting launch rockets at him. Because you have almost, like, damn near you have unlimited rockets. And you just have to slow him down and do enough damage to him. To... Oh my god, dude. Like, I didn't even play it. I didn't even play it. And it's super memorable in the worst type of way. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. This is my favorite chapter, I think. Are you just like just because how like ludicrous it is? Story. Yeah, yeah, well, like just because how crazy it is, and it's like they throw a bunch of combat at you, and then I feel like the final sequence of Ruvik is just kind of like the all right. You know what? We put you through enough stress. You don't have to worry about anything, right? You, you literally just are watching. I mean, it's almost like a quick time event really you know and, and it ends with you having to shoot Ruvik like in slow-mo try and catch him you know try and shoot him before he I guess he eats you I guess I think so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. this reminded me of the second to last boss in Ninja God in Black the oh. Vigorian Emperor or the um no yeah the Emperor yeah the pink lady Oh, yeah, yeah, in the volcano. Just like a really weird level. Man. So, this got me thinking. How many horror games end with a rocket launcher shot to the face? Because I feel like that happened in 4 and 5. It definitely happened in Resident Evil 5. Yeah, it happened in 4 and 5. But also, um, rocket launcher to the face? I I thought you shot a pistol. 
Well, you do kill him. That's the final... I guess the final blow is a pistol, but... After you unload rocket launchers at him. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Man, it's just... (laughs) It's just so good. Before we... Before we go into the final boss, what about everything up to that in this chapter? Okay, now we're talking. That stuff was cool. I thought the... So, that that crazy dude that you've been talking to, like, we, we, we don't really... He gives you a lot of... Inf- not a lot of information. It's a lot of, like, just rambling crazy man talk. But, um... The last thing he says to you before you never see him again is don't look Ruvik in his eye. And you end up looking Ruvik in his eye and that's when you get teleported into that arena area. And with the like thousand eyes. Yeah, and I thought that was really kind of interesting. Like it, it was it was a almost like an arena shooter, <laughs> right? Like it, it was like just a whole bunch of enemies coming spawning from different sections and it reminded me of Resident Evil Mercenaries. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, yeah. Like, almost like a, a horde mode where you have to fight waves of enemies and everything. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I, I liked that they had the three different... Because it was the, the the one where you fight the waves, then the one where you fight the, um, uh, the sniper guys, right? And then the keeper, and then the sneaking part, right? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, so I thought that was a cool, like, variety of people to fight. So I I thought I was cool with it. I thought it was cool. What about you, Greg? Um, yeah, like I said, I I guess, well, for sure the the Rubik fight is probably one of my uh, favorite parts of the game. But, yeah, I think everything leading up to that I was pretty cool with, right? Like, um... Again, it's kind of dope to be able to just let, you know, use all your ammo for the most part. So that arena fight was pretty cool. Um, you know, you didn't really have to worry about, you know, even if you were bothered by stealth, right? There's none whatsoever. It's just like, a, hey, just kill a bunch of the enemies. Um, and it, it, again, it gives me that Resident Evil 4 vibe of like, oh, uh, there's these, you can kind of navigate around the environment to try and like, you know, set up kills and stuff like that. So. But yeah, like I think this is probably one of my favorite chapters, if not my favorite chapter. I just don't understand why. But <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But see, you don't want to look deep into it, right? Just, <laughs> just, just take it, play. take it for what it is. Gotcha. Did you like it, Dante? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I could have done with a little bit less of the Leslie chase at the beginning. I'm trying to think of all what happens there. That Leslie chase, there's like think if there was any cool nothing to it. Like you're just walking, following him. There's not even any enemies. Yeah, it just I literally think it was letterbox there, so I knew I wasn't going to die. Mm-hmm. But I'm just trying to think if anything interesting from a story perspective happened there. I don't think so. See, that would have been cool if they added something to be like, oh, this is what Leslie really is in relation to this game. Which I still don't know what he, like, what is Leslie? So, Leslie is... This is what I've been waiting for. Like, do you know or you you don't (laughs) know? No, this is is all I've wanted to know throughout this whole game. Okay, so, um, basically he is going to be the new person in charge of the stem. 
if that makes any so sense. So he's like Rubik's successor. He's Rubik's successor, but he's going to be less like, this is what I want to do for, and he, he'll be easier to manipulate. Now, the problem is, is I have no idea what they want to use <laughs> the STEM machine for, you know? So, Ruvik, he basically wanted to use it to bring his sister so he could spend time with his sister. He gets killed, and then as retribution, he does all these horrible things and gets all these, like, dreams of all these creatures and all that stuff. I have no idea what Mobius wants to do uh, with Leslie. But Dr. Jimenez is in Mobius's pocket, so that's why he had such a close working relationship with Leslie. Because he's been basically grooming him to succeed uh, Rubik. So Kitman's agency is opposed to Mobius. That I don't know. I think she's actually a Mobius agent. But Mobius is pro Leslie, right? Yes, and like that's what I don't understand because I actually I, I this is at the very bottom. Um, the truth is, so while Sebastian knows her as a junior detective, the truth is she's a Mobius agent who's been sent into STEM to re, to retrieve Leslie. So maybe if you re, if you kill Leslie in STEM, I don't know. I actually if don't. you die in STEM, do you die in the real yes. world? Yes. I was asking that facetiously, but oh. thank you for the legit answer. Yeah, well, yeah so I, I have no idea why she pulled the gun on Leslie. Uh, um, actually, so another thing that I'm learning is that Rubik can possess people, right? Did you guys know that? He can't. So the I guess that with makes sense. Rubik with... enemies? So the guy that we were, and this is like very nuanced, and this is really cool. So the guy me and Trevor were watching playthrough of, he started pointing out like, do you guys notice Leslie's walking animation? He doesn't walk like Leslie walks. He walks like Ruvik walks. So anytime he's walking and he's like, like, because Leslie, the character is very timid and shy. And so a lot of times he's hunched over but Ruvik is way more confident and, and like self-assured and he walks standing up. So whenever Leslie was walking, standing up, he's at, at that point being possessed by, uh, he's being possessed by Ruvik. So at that sequence at the playground where Leslie pulls the gun on Leslie, he's outwardly appearing as Leslie, but he actually is possessed by Ruvik. And, it makes sense when he screams and all that stuff starts crumpling around. That's not the power that Leslie has. It's the power that Rubik has. It has that same blue aura, right? Same blue aura? What do you mean? When he screams, like, it has the same effect when, like, Rubik's comes into a scene. I think so, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, basically, uh, and at the very end of the game, I don't know if you guys know, but, like, so, did you guys watch the? Or do you guys have anything else you want to say about the chapter fifteen? No, I think that that's it. It was really dumb, but it was also cool. <laughs> so at the very end of the game, so like you know they have all those characters that are attached to STEM, right? Like the characters, like the Connolly and Jimenez and Leslie and Kidman and all those characters, right? Yeah, at one point. One of those people in the tub, like one of the ghost doctors or whatever, he's like, 
this person seems like they could be like I forget if it was like immune or like the evolution or something but they've been talking about the people in the tubs for a long time yeah yeah well the um uh at the end Kidman says leave the these two are are these three are dead leave them behind right or she says something like that so and yeah they leave behind the people that are dead and the people that they leave behind are Sebastian who isn't dead but she knows that and she's like throwing you a bone I guess and then the other two people she leaves behind is Jimenez who did die and the other cop that was the driver in the very beginning that it was like the first guy that got haunted that you killed when you got your pistol in the very beginning of the game I think his name is Connolly you know who she didn't leave behind Joseph Joseph she also um, <clears throat> didn't leave behind Leslie, and the way Leslie was acting was made it look like he was being possessed by Ruvik. So this is a thing that people have been debating, or I guess I I, I don't I'm assuming it gets answered because there's a second game, but I was thinking that Ruvik exited stem and is now possessing leslie in the real world so he's no longer like this all-powerful being but he's still like a pretty evil dude yeah i, I could see rubik being described as pretty evil. <laughs> but like i don't know I, I thought that was i i liked and like the thing is this isn't all i got all that from reading like outside of the game in the game i was like what's going on you know what what what, what is this what is that um, so all those, uh, posters that you guys have been seeing, the hidden character posters, those are posters that she's putting up from people in the real world. So I'm not sure if those are people that are like being snatched away and hooked up to the STEM thing, or those are all the different people that have been hooked up by the STEM thing. So they make it seem like a serial killer, but I think it's Ruvik like basically taking these patients or kidnapping these people and using them on his in his experiments. So, is the safe room limbo, and like a world between STEM and the real world? I think so. I think it's like a it's like a set like the way I would read into it is it's a space in this world where Ruvik doesn't have any power or can't see. It's like the hidden part of this area. Where he can control ninety nine percent of this world, but he is unaware of this one, this you know one percent right here. Now I don't know why that lady disappears beyond like I'm assuming anytime people disappear in the dream world they die. I'm assuming they die, so I'm not sure how she dies, but I'm assuming she's dead. At least she got a job with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I don't know, like, I, I think the story is interesting reading into it, but, like, I don't think the game does a really good job of uh, putting this forward. So I think the story is cool, but I just wish that it was delivered differently. I don't think they're all the way successful in delivering the story. Do you think that it would have made it a better game had there, the story been a little bit more upfront? I guess. I have no Less idea. Abstract. I have no idea because by all per- intents and purposes, this game sold pretty decently, I guess, right? Enough to 
I mean, they, they came out with two DLCs and a, sec- a sequel, right? So, yeah. like, it was successful enough in what it did and what it gave that people were clamoring for more. I think it maybe I don't know if saying, like, if this story was delivered better, would the game be better? Probably, but I don't necessarily know if that would mean, like, it would be more popular or more people would play it, you know? I just think... The, one of the reasons why the game had, um, you know, why it did so well, I guess, is just because had there really been any other survival horror games, you know, like after Resident Evil kind of went away for a bit? Because that was before RE7, right? RE7 came out. This was before uh, RE6, I think. I can't remember. It was, mm, I don't know about that. Because this was, well, no, this game wasn't cross-gen. Um, what, Evil Within? Yeah. Yeah, it came out on 360 and PS3 as well. No, but it didn't come out on Xbox One and PS4. It is on Xbox One and PS4 now. Yeah. The Evil Within? Yeah, it came out October 20, yeah. 2014. Yeah. Wait, but it wasn't... Are you sure that's not, like, backwards compatible? No, yeah, no, those games are... Actually, let me take that back. Oh, wait, wait, you're right. Let me take that back. I'm mixing this up. Resident Evil 6 came out way earlier than... Yeah, Resident Evil 6 was like, what, 2011 or 2012? October 2012 versus October 2014. So this was a full two years after. Two years. Okay, and yes, this was cross-gen completely. You guys are right. Yeah, I, I think I, that but, maybe it was because Resident Evil Six had come out. It killed, <laughs> it killed survival horror and, games. And I guess it had that pedigree, right, of being because uh, who's the the guy who um, Mikami? Yeah, it had that pedigree also, so people probably were excited for it for that reason alone, right? Yeah, just being able to make a spiritual successor to Resident Evil Four, which is very much how this game was marketed, from my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to think. Alien Isolation came out at some point. I feel like that was an early like that might have been like right before this. Yeah, because that was also cross gen from what I remember. So and I think Dead Space would have wrapped up by now. And Dead Space Three isn't even a horror so game. So like we're being. Like, I'm looking at games that came out around then. So like Slender was 2012. Was when did PT come out? Felt like it was fifteen, probably. Yeah. And wasn't there that other game that Trevor was talking about? What was that game called? Outlast. Outlast wasn't that around this time too? Yeah, that was near the launch of the PS4. So, but the horror genre, as far as like the triple A space, it was pretty much dried up at that point. Mm-hmm. So, like you had Resident Evil, you had Dead Space, The Last which, of Us. I'm pretty sure that was, huh? The Last of Us. Last of Us isn't really, like, a horror game. That's more... It's definitely scary, but it's more of a Walking Dead. Like, hey, we're the last people here, and there are a couple, like, quote-unquote infected. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't actively trying to scare you in that regard. Um, But yeah, the horror genre in general has kind of been in the decline. So Good riddance. Oh my gosh. Um, what was I about to say? I guess, should we go over the ending sequence? Sure. Okay. Do you, do you got that? No. Because I really don't. 
The All I remember is you kill the dude, you kill the brain dude, and you're back in, like, is it the hospital? Oh, yeah, or the mental like... hospital. Oh, didn't Mark just go over that? No, you're, you're literally, like, back in the hospital and you're leaving. And the SWAT oh, guys are showing that's, up. Oh, that's, okay, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that that part, that's all I remember is, like, so, like, Kidman leaves you behind. What? You're back in the real world, and it's as if no time passed. Because they're like, oh, was there anything in there? And I forget what your dude said, but it was something really stupid. I don't remember either. Oh, he he asked for uh, fresh air or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like... I want some real fresh air. Yeah. That primo fresh air, cuh. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that good air. He's like, I've seen some things. Yeah, I don't know, it was dumb. You guys got anything else you have to say about this game? <laughs> I have some questions. I have some questions. I'm not trying to like speed us along or anything. I got a couple questions. Are you? No, I mean, you guys got? I, I enjoyed right. it, I, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed the game. Um, just because, like I said, like the first time I played it, it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know. And that was just me struggling to to even get to get as far as I did, but like this time, man, it was just completely different. Like I just really was enjoying myself this time for some Hit reason. Spot. Yeah. It reminded me how much, despite me not liking horror as a thing, especially like in movies and stuff, how much I absolutely love it in games, because like it's very hard to design an easy horror game. So, I always get challenged when I go to this genre. It always makes me... It evokes feelings in me that a lot of games don't. Man, maybe you're just not really alive. (laughs) If you don't feel anything playing video games... You know what, you're right. (laughs) I need to go back to Bionic Commando. Yeah, man. Where I get the most feels. Hates a feeling, too. Never forget. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So I guess my question is, I mean, what about you, Trevor? Would you do you have any intention on going back and play or like playing this game, finishing this game out, or do you think just even just watching was good enough and you don't have any desire to keep playing? Um, I think there were. He's got achievements to pick I up. I think there were only a few levels that I feel like I missed out by not playing it, but mm-hmm. it's not enough to warrant like actually going back and finishing it. To me, gotcha. Especially now that I know like the story or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. I, I gotcha. Um, so I'm guessing it's a no for Trevor, but would you guys... I do have a question for you and Trevor specifically. Okay. If the Brazilian dude that you were following mm-hmm. had a um, video series for The Evil Within 2, would you watch it? Yeah, I'd watch it, yeah. Probably. Like, watching this guy, I got more of an appreciation for, like, streamers and people who do uh, walkthroughs. Right? <laughs> because, I mean, this guy, like, like there are certain games, like, where, you know, you you know you can play it, um, or I guess certain chapters multiple times. But, I mean, this guy knew, like, the ins and outs of each chapter, like, from beginning to end. It was great. <laughs> I never felt like I missed out on anything, you know? And then the coolest thing, and I don't know if you felt this way, Trevor, was like, 
it felt like the it wasn't a speed run but he was very effective at what he was doing and he explained everything that he was doing too and so like he was like showing you how to play this game efficiently but it wasn't like speed run so he wasn't like blazing through it you know and he was even showing you like this dude was barely he never like needed ammo really but he was showing you where all the pickups were because he was like you might be following my playthrough and like you might need to be low on ammo here or here so this is where this is at and this is where the green gel is and all this stuff a little bit of green gel So yeah, I, I definitely like. I, I think he actually specializes in or has an appreciation for horror survivor horror games as well. So, I mean, he had Resident Evil four and five walkthroughs. I mean, he was very familiar with the Silent Hill Resident Evil series, and so I'm I'm assuming he probably has done an Evil Within two walkthrough. So. I w- it would done, wouldn't surprise me at all. And like the cool thing too is he doesn't necessarily spoil story. Like, because obviously he's played these games a lot, but he doesn't spoil story or like this is about to be a scary part or anything like that. Or he doesn't say like he kind of like he points at out least moments game, where there's like foreshadowing. Like, oh, I wonder what he, that means. Yeah, but he doesn't say you know like oh this is what this means or we're about to find you know what I'm saying. So, like, I appreciate what he did. And like I said, I I purposely sought out somebody that wasn't playing it for their first time because I didn't want to see somebody struggle in a way that I'd struggle playing the game because that just wouldn't be good for me. And so I accidentally stumbled upon this guy and I was like, I really, like, I appreciate what he's doing, the content he's putting out there. Do you want to give that guy a shout out? Uh, sure. His his YouTube is Mike Betten Bettencourt. I think it's uh so Mike M I K E Bettencourt is B E T T E N C O U R T, and he is like um I think he's Portuguese. He says he speaks like four languages or something like that. So he has a little bit of an accent, which I found endearing. I appreciated like he de- like his English is he speaks English well. He just like has an accent and some, so some words he says like kind of, uh, you know, they, they sound a little funky, but like he, he, he has a grasp of the English language and he's very entertaining and funny and it's corny when he needs to be corny. And I don't know, like he's knowledgeable. So yeah, I definitely would recommend if you are a weenie like me and can't deal with survival horror games, then I would definitely check his channel out if you want to, see what the fuss is about these types of games without actually having to play them. Um, I had a question for you and Greg. Would you guys play Evil Within DLC and or Evil Within 2? Um, I plan to play the DLC. Um, and I might actually stream it because I don't think that they're that long. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play through the DLC. Do you know anything about the DLC? Um, just that I believe one of them follows, uh, Detective Kidman, um, and I think one has something to do with the Keepers, and then that's it, I think. Would you but... like me to tell you what the DLC is about? <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm cool okay, with that. Okay, so, there's two DLC, so, like, I, this was another one of my questions, was, uh, what was Kidman and Joseph doing this whole time? Like, every time you were separated, well, 
luckily for you, you find out the answer to one of those is both of these DLCs follow Kidman. So it's four chapters dedicated to Kidman, and they're split up, so two per DLC. So the first one is the assignment, and it follows Kidman explaining what she was doing in Rubik's mind after being separated from the crew, and also delves into her past and her past and revealing her true motives. The gameplay is completely different, or not completely different. There's no firearms, so you only are using the flashlight, bottles, and axes, which I. I needed you to know that, Greg. <laughs> I needed you to know uh... that. So the first DLC, you're only using flashlight bottles and axes. It's so it's way more stealth focused, and it also like I'm not sure if this is like forced you to play this way, but there's a new mode that disables all light except for light that comes from the flashlight. So I'm not sure if that's like a, a new mode, like or if that's how you play it. The second DLC is pretty similar to that. It's an emphasis on the puzzle solving, but firearms are now usable, but combat is pretty much discouraged due to the overall scarcity of ammo. So they include some new features, like you can push enemies off ledges and using chemical lights in some areas over flashlights. But overall, it seems like it's both of these DLCs are more stealth-focused than combat-focused. So I wasn't trying to deter you from playing them i was just letting you know that hey this may not be what you're in it for you know well so they so i'm looking at all the stuff on steam and there's another one called the executioner and i, I don't know like, what that is is it so that's the one that i thought was based off the keeper but i'll have to i'll have to look and see so well well he's looking that up i just want to say that i am so upset with myself for uninstalling the game mere minutes before the show or minutes into the show actually because I was like oh, I'll never do the DLC but that sounds really cool and that sounds totally what I'd be into as far as like having a Resident Evil 1-esque experience oh so check this out Th- check this out so there are three DLCs so those first two I was telling you about are nine ninety nine. this one the third one the one Greg was talking about the Executioner you assume control of the keeper as you battle many creatures and bosses within the Victoriano estate during their search for their daughter. So I think that one is based in the mansion and you play as a keeper. Sounds very cool. So, um, yeah, um, they're very different and I will give them that. My only complaint, I guess you could say complaint is I'm was more interested in Joseph as the character and like, I wonder what he was doing <laughs> and like unfortunately they don't have any DLC dedicated to Joseph so you don't get to find out and it looks like they also have some like weapon DLC as well so yeah I guess another cool thing to note about DLC which it's not for this game but Resident Evil 2 the remake that's coming out in about 3 or 4 months um, they added DLC costumes and one costume in specific, the noir um, look for Leon, is a throwback to this game. Weird. Or at least it, like, I guess, homage to this is game. Is Dude working on that game? Helping out? Or they just were like, we have a lot of respect for him, and he's so we're going to throw him a bone or something? I just think they're throwing him a bone. That's cool. But with that being said, like, as this episode was playing... 
I went ahead and downloaded um, Evil Within too, so I might actually start that tonight. Okay, okay. I'd be interested. Like, I'm not playing it, but I'd be interested to know what you guys think of it in comparison to this game. And um, I know, at least I remember. Um, there's we didn't even talk about this. There's an underlying story going on in this game with the collectibles about Sebastian's life, and he was married to a fellow detective and like how they met and then they had a kid and she died in a fire and all this other stuff and she his wife went crazy trying to figure out what actually happened and uh sebastian had developed a drinking problem and all that stuff had happened two years prior to this game the date in this game and i'm pretty sure that the daughter is a big component in evil within 2 so I'm not sure, like, supposedly she died in a fire being watched by her uh, nanny or whatever, and, like I said, like... Was her nanny's name Laura? No, her nanny's name was, no, it was like Juanita or something, it was something, uh, like, I don't remember what off the top of my head, but her the daughter's name was Lily, and if I remember correctly, I remember listening to the Giant Bombcast, I believe that they said that... I think it was Brad that played it, said that um, the game revolved around the daughter. Not revolved around the daughter, but she had to do with the story. So I'm not sure if the events of Evil Within 2 take place before or after this game. I don't know. I'm assuming, I'm assuming after, because they've introduced some type of supernatural character in Rubik, and he's still, as far as we know, around. So I'm assuming he will also play a part in the second game. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys what the deal is with that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to commit to playing about an hour of that tonight. Okay. Um, My last question. Do you guys have anything? I have my fun okay. question. So my last question is, I mentioned this the last episode. What do you guys think, now that we've played the entire game, if you could choose a section of this game to be in a demo, what do you think would be the most effective for, like, for, what do you think would be the most effective section to explain what this game is about? Mm. So if you remember before, I had asked that question, we'd only played the first seven chapters, and the chapter that they, the piece that they chose was, um, I want to say chapter... Four. Yeah, that was a chapter that had the fight with Laura, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I guess comes to mind for me would be chapter nine, maybe. Um, the mansion. Yeah, just because I felt like that's a pretty good, like, well, I guess some. I don't know if that necessarily... That's false advertisement. I think it's false advertisement. Yeah, a little bit, right? That's what I was... Because it's like, that's not how the whole game goes, but it is a cool sequence, and it kind of pulls at the, you know, the strings of, like, people who are looking for that type of game. Um... So, I don't know. It it might be a little disingenuous, but, I I mean, I think it would be a cool demo. If if I was selling the game to Resident Evil, like, classic Resident Evil fans, I would go with Chapter 9. If I was trying to sell it to the mass market, I'd probably do, like... The Gears of War chapter? chapter. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If if I was trying to do an accurate representation of the game, it would probably be chapter 10. 
Acura. Because that has a little bit of everything, I feel like. All right, what about you, Trevor? Um, well, I wish it was more like um, like the first two or three chapters, but that wouldn't be accurate at all because the game sh- completely shifts um, like in the, the Once second Once you get half. weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would probably have to go with chapter 10, too, because just by the way... Um, you know the guy in the video plays it it's like he he utilizes his arsenal a lot more in chapter 10 i think that's the one where well, you're, you where you're fighting the guy um in the um um the, it's the parking, call dudes. parking garage yeah at the very end yeah. yeah let me tell you guys the real answer it's chapter 13 it's the one where you're in the city you're you're with joseph and you guys get split up there's all those traps. You deal with the keepers. There's the trap kitchen. Um, you fight the keepers in the freezer locker. And then you get to see that really abstract, nonsensical, like, the craziness that happens on the playground with Leslie and Kidman and Joseph. And, like, I feel like that, like, perfectly encapsulates everything in this game. Because you're, like, it has the creepy atmosphere but there's also like that sense of wonder with the way the city is being changed and everything too. So that's the one for me. It's a good choice. All right. Well, that's all I have question wise. What you got Dante? All right. So there was a thread that I saw on a forum I go to and essentially they were saying, where would you hate staying more raccoon city or um, silent hill from silent hill? So I'm going to take that question and twist it a little bit. What is the video game city or video game you'd least likely, you'd least like to be placed in video game world? <laughs> I have so many different answers. <laughs> like, if it was a game that we played, <laughs> off the top, I would not want to live in... Um, the world of Bioshock Infinite, because I would be a I'd be a worker. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! You know, and they would be like, "Hey, we need some people working on our Sky City." Hey, he's dark enough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> I don't know how a deal is a Vox popular, you know. <laughs> Oh, that that's pretty bad. Does it have to be something that we've played, or no, no, or a horror game, or anything in particular? It can be anything. Uh, I don't know, man. That's hard. Man. I, the, the first thing there's that comes a lot of mind. really bad post-apocalyptic. Like I'm thinking of Fallout and stuff like that. Yeah. Man. Also, I just think like even something like Grand Theft Auto, like man, anything can happen. Like somebody could take my car at any minute, or you know, <laughs> could just be running, walking down the street. Somebody just runs over you. Exactly, and... man. Marcus, you a buster. <laughs> <laughs> I think Metal Gear would be pretty bad in a lot of situations. Just so much going on and so much manipulation. And I think the the you might have nano machines and you don't know it. I think the answer is any world. Like like you would be an NPC in this world, so you have to think of games where NPCs just are disrespected or like they they can die at any point and it doesn't matter. 
Trevor, you got um, anything? I've been trying to think of one. I'm looking through my catalog right now, and every time I look through it, I keep seeing Shin Megami Tensei. And I can't remember exactly what happens to all the people in most of those worlds, but it's nothing good. It's nothing good. Like, I can't remember if they're in, like, eternal nightmares or they just become demons and they can't revert or... But I think that's probably my go-to answer right now. Demon souls, dark souls, those would be really bad. Oh. Yeah. Those would be really bad. <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are incriminating yourselves? No, just the the nightmare. <laughs> don't you guys know black men don't cheat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, Trevor, I don't you have a bar, Trevor. <laughs> I don't. That's why I'd be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> He's also never been to prison. Yep. Oh can't, yeah, Chronicles can't of Riddick, Trevor. Can't go to Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna have to revise mine to like the Dark Soul series, just because you die, you get reawakened as an undead, and then you have to do it again, pretty much for eternity. Did Greg say? The only thing I can think of, I guess, because a lot of answers. Somebody took, but I would say like Silent Hill. Like I wouldn't want to be like stuck in that. I'm just thinking of just how foggy it is, and just or even like. Have you played Silent Hill? Uh, so I played a little bit of the original and two, and I didn't play three or four or. Uh, so I was opinionated when I went into that thread, and I was like, "Oh, people are like, oh, I'd much rather be in Raccoon City than Silent Hill," and it's like, "Oh, well, nobody really." dies quote-unquote in silent hill but you're forced to relive like i think it's your sins or like you do something bad and essentially you're forced to dream some manifestation of it until you get your stuff sorted out which probably isn't going to happen because you're just like living in fear of it the entire time no thanks so it's literally like a manifestation of you know like oblivion hmm no take backs. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I'd be cool with that. Alright, well we got anything else? Anything else you guys need to say about this game? Alright. Greg, do we have any questions? Uh I forgot to check, but that'll only take me a second to do. No. I'm gonna assume <laughs> no, but you know, I just for, I gotta do my due diligence. Uh, that's a negative. Nope. Any hot takes on Twitter? Uh, no, not yet. But uh, you know, you guys can reach us on Twitter. Um, it is M checkpoint. Is it checkpoints or checkpoints? Or checkpoint? That's <laughs> no, checkpoints. There we go. Yeah, it's plural. Okay. Bam. All right, you guys can hit us up at M checkpoints on Twitter. Um. And actually, I probably will start tweeting from that a little bit more because uh, it's been a little dry lately. So yeah, we need to. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, follow us there if you want to submit any feedback or talk about the show. You can hit us up there or uh, on Facebook at uh, Facebook dot com slash Smith Checkpoints. Yes. So. And where can people find you at? Um. 
I'll be around. You guys can hit me up on uh, Twitter at uh, Boombox Hero. On Facebook, is the same, Boombox Hero. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrdmagnegro. Uh, X and mostly playing Street Fighter, but I've been streaming a few other things. I played Evil Within this past week. Uh, I play DJ Max Respect a lot, which is a rhythm game, so I'll probably stream that a lot, a lot more now. So, but yeah, you guys can follow me there too. Word they got the controller out for that? No, I'm actually just playing on pad. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, but it's fun though. I'll have to look into it. Alright, where can people find you at, Trevor? You can find me online at Lyric Unsung. <clears throat> I'll probably be streaming um, Red Dead Redemption 2. If I can get around to playing it, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get around those horse balls? <laughs> Man, I heard people were driving like all the way across the country just to see the weather change and to see the, um, the ball shrink. Ball physics? Alright, that's... Best ball physics. Uh, where can people find you at Dante? People can find me at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. Uh, I'm a little, like, I'm probably three hours into Shadow of the Tomb Raider right now. And after that, I'll probably be streaming Mega Man 11. And you can also find me at the voting booth in, let's see, about a week and a half. Everybody go vote. Yeah, I voted yesterday. I did early voting yesterday, so that, that was that was fun. My dude. <laughs> um, well, you guys can find me on the internet, uh, Potato Salad on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I will be playing. Probably, I'll be, I'm going to try to play a bunch of video games. So I'm going to be gone for most of November, so I got to get the games in early. So, I'm going to be joining Dante and playing Mega Man 11. I've already started. I got some I got some things to say about that game. Um, and uh, we are going to be playing Detroit as well. That's going to be... That's Trevor's game, right? Yep. Alright, cool. So, we are going to... I'm going to let you guys know up ahead of time. We are going to have a funkier schedule. Um for this month so we will probably release the first part of the Detroit uh, discussion then we will do our normal two weeks and release the bonus pod of Mega Man 11 and then the following week we will release the second part of the evil or of Detroit so we will have three episodes coming out within a five-week span. So that way it just gives me a little, like I said, I'm going to be gone a decent portion of November, about half the month. So that way it gives us time to build in some time in there so that way I can knock out the second half of that game. So expect episodes on the 11th and 25th of November. And then we'll probably put out another episode on the 2nd of December. So that should be some, something along that, those lines. Uh, 11th, 25th, 2nd, or 11th, 18th, 2nd, something like that. So 
We'll see. Um, you guys got anything else? Anything else? Oh, yeah, be on the lookout for the Steam sale. November, or November, October, the Halloween Steam sale, right? Um, I remember seeing that the Steam sale dates leaked, and I remember there being an autumn sale, and then a Christmas sale. So the dates are out there. I just don't think they have one for one of the major holidays this time around. Let me see. I just pulled it up. The autumn sale beginning November 21st until 27th. So that... And then the winter sale is the 20th of December to the 3rd. So be on the lookouts. Halloween... them video games for cheap. The Halloween dates are November 29th to the 1st of November. So, yeah, be on the lookout for any of the games. Detroit, Dead Cells, Doom, and if you don't already own four copies of it, Psychonauts. <laughs> Alright, well, anything else? Going once, going twice. Cool. Well, with that, we are Miss Checkpoints, and we're out. Peace.